at the big give yesterday, we had the, the joy, of, as you've heard, of praying for lots of people. And one of them was this guy that uh, he had essentially everything wrong with him from, uh, you know, uh, having epileptic seizures to um, being diabetic to having a problem with his knee and a whole bunch more things. But we had a chance to just, I, I, you know, we zoned in on praying for his, his problematic knee. He had a, a knee that was painful. And uh, so a bunch of us gathered together. We prayed over him. And um, uh, we, we asked him to stand up to check it to see if anything has changed. And after two, two prayers, his pain, his pain was completely gone. His knee was completely better. And so we got to tell him, you know, remember who did this. In fact, I think we even led him to, in a prayer to, to receive Jesus. So we used our line, that is Jesus at work on the outside. Would you like him on the inside? And uh, yeah, so Roshan was there and we got to pray that prayer with him. Uh, but also to remind him that, uh, you know, when, when you leave this place, remember who did that to your knee who removed the pain from your knee. So hopefully, uh, you know, that will connect because he's got a lot of stuff that's... The people who live in that area, man, this is, this is North America, everybody. This is supposed to be the, you know, the land of plenty and everything else, but there's people who really, really, really suffer and struggle. And so anyway, it was a great, great day yesterday. Very good day. The other thing I don't think we mentioned clearly enough was that there was... One of the good things about yesterday was that there were three different churches, or two churches in a ministry, uh, working together. <sighs> three churches working together, my gosh. It's a miracle. Glory, hallelujah. Keep coming, Holy Spirit. All right, so I got, it's 12.06, and I have about 24 minutes to unpack a pretty... Uh, lengthy message. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit the highlights. We're going to forget the, uh, oh, the, um, my presentation. I have uh, slides and everything. But here's what, I want to, here's what I want to talk to you about. A couple of um, months ago, you know, it's a month ago, a month and a half now, we went down to Raleigh. In, 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 in place of our transatlantic cruise, we ended up going to Raleigh, which was fine. But we were talking with um, uh, Duncan and Kate uh, after, you know, when the Sunday we got there after the service, went for a meal, and we were having such a good time that we went to their place afterwards and had a great relaxing time with them. But uh, Duncan said something. He phrased, uh, he phrased this powerful theological truth. You guys okay with the word theological? Does that scare you? Uh, he phrased this doctrinal statement, or this doctrinal truth, in such an amazing way, which I'd never actually heard before. Um, and so I began to reflect on it. So I've, I've taken a, roughly a month or so to reflect on this. And the phrase is uh, original sin versus original goodness. Do, do those things mean anything to anybody? Do you know what original sin means? It's, it's a theological idea which says that every single person who has been born since Adam and Eve are born with sin, right? So we so they refer to it as original sin. Um, 
I can give you some scriptures if you guys want scripture. You guys are good Bereans. You like to study the word, don't you? So Romans 5.12, for example, it says, Just as sin entered the world through one man, it's Adam and Eve, one man, Adam and Eve, one Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Right? So Paul in Romans is saying that because of what Adam and Eve did, death, that sin and death has affected every single person. We all understand enough about genetics and DNA that you know things pass down through uh, the generational lines, not just physically, but also this reality of uh, a nature of sin, a sinful nature. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this is the condition of all of humanity, right? So for example, in, uh, in uh, the first two chapters of Genesis, if you guys read your Bibles, the first two cha chapters of Genesis, this is the first two chapters of Genesis. This is when God created the world in, or it was formless and void, formless and empty, but he, he, he created shape to it. He separated the land from the sea. He, he turned the lights on. He, he, he began to put form to it, and then he began to fill it, re, uh, replenish it, uh, fill it with, with animals and plants. And in that whole process, God created this incredible uh, created order that we see with our eyes. And then, and then the pinnacle of his creation was uh, man and woman, Adam and, and Eve, and he created them. And if you read the first two chapters of Genesis, you see, you see that they lived in great uh, harmony. There was harmony all through the Garden of Eden. There was unfettered, unlimited intimacy, unhindered intimacy with God. It said that God walked with, they walked with God in the cool of the day, which for those of you who live in tropical countries know that the cool of day uh, is in the morning and in the evening. So at least twice a day, God was walking with them. That's the imagery that's being presented, that God was walking with his creation, Adam and Eve, uh, every single day. And it doesn't say how long that went on for, ages, eons, but they had this incredible uh, um, in, intimate relationship with, with God. They also had a fantastic relationship, relationship with each other, right? Husband and wife uh, hanging out in the garden. It says, that, it says that they were naked and unashamed. That speaks to the fact, well, it speaks to two different things. It speaks of all, first of all, that they were naked in the sense that they were being vulnerable. They were open. They were transparent. They weren't wearing masks of any sort. They weren't wearing anything to cover up who they, were really, who they really were, right? And because they were secure in who they are, they had the power. They had power even though they were vulnerable. It was a powerful, it was a powerful place because they were safe and secure with each other. And so their, their relationship was rich and, and awesome. They were secure in themselves, but then also they had dominion over everything that God had created. God made them, gave them dominion and authority over every single thing that 
was created. That's the first two chapters of Genesis. But then we all know that they chose of their own volition to disobey God's very clear instructions, which was to be completely reliant on me. Don't eat this tree of the, of the fruit of good and evil. You can have everything else in this garden, but don't. And so they, they paid attention to this guy, and uh, they ate, and they were deceived, and they ate. And, um, and they came down to this level, right? And so from Genesis 3 up until thousands of, thousands of years, lots of books in the Bible, lots of chapters to read in the Bible until we get to the New Testament where this man Jesus shows up and he begins to tell them about what God is, reminds them what God is really like. And then ultimately he dies on the cross. Of his, again, of his own choice, he dies on the cross. He's buried. And then he, on the third day, as the scriptures teach, he rose again from the dead. And the glorious thing that happened in all of that is that he made a way for you and I to be reconnected to the Father. And here's the phrase that uh, Duncan uh, mentioned. He talked about going past original sin to original goodness. Right? Because when God created everything, you remember, it says six times in the first chapter of Genesis, God saw and he saw that it was good. In fact, finally in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, the seventh time, six times it says uh, it, it's good, it is very good. The seventh time, it is very good. Very good. Very good. Everything God created was very, very good. And so what Jesus came to do is he came, brothers and sisters, to remove the curse completely obliterate the curse. Here's what it says in Galatians chapter 3, one of my favorite books of the Bible because it's nice and short. Did I write it down somewhere? Galatians chapter 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. So one of the incredible things that happens when we give our lives to Jesus, when we step into, into Jesus, when we, when we are in Christ, when we say yes to Jesus, one of the things that happen, happens is that we receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the promised Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us. And so what he does is he takes us back past original sin into original goodness, right? It's Eden being restored. It's the Garden of Eden being restored. Re Revelation chapter 22, I just read this morning. It starts off by talking about this, this tree, which is a tree of life, which gives healing to all the nations, right? And we get to be in that place. It's Eden restored. This is what Jesus has done for us. He has brought us past original sin, past the fact that you and I have a, have a, were born in sin. He takes the curse upon himself. He gives us this, this uh, uh, righteousness, right? And we get to live now in this place 
of original goodness. Is this making sense to anybody? Consequently, this is a, a Romans 5, 12 uh, and following. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so the trespass of Adam and Eve, the sin of Adam and Eve, resulted in con condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people who received Jesus. For such as, uh, for just as though... For just as through the obedience of the one, sorry, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Right? So what was lost because of Adam and Eve has now been restored because of Jesus. And in fact, the argument, the argument that Paul makes is that even though the trespass of Adam and Eve is bad because it affects everybody, how much greater is the act of Jesus' uh, obedience and, and righteousness by, because his act now removes, obliterates all of, that, all, of the, all of the effect of Adam's disobedience. So... Uh, Jesus' act on the cross, Jesus' death on the cross, is way more powerful than Adam's disobedience. Jesus' obedience is way greater than Adam's disobedience. Uh, Jesus' grace, graciousness is greater than Adam's sinfulness. Right? And, and the reason why I'm sharing this for all of us to hear is because we've experienced some of it already in the service. Some of the songs we sang about the goodness of God, right? The goodness of God. But here's the thing. Not only is God good, but he has imputed, he's given to us his goodness, isn't it? So because God is good, we are good too. In him, not by an, in our own selves, but in him, we have been made good. We have been made righteous. I mean, if you really think about that, if you really think about that, yeah, keep it going, lady. You're my friend over there. If, if, we, if we really grasped what this meant, I would say our lives would be completely, radically changed. If we really understood, uh, first of all, our, our identity, because so much, I mean, I grew up, I grew up like this. I grew up, even though I, I love Jesus and I give my heart to Jesus, I always felt for the longest while until I came into the, a revelation of God's fatherly love for us, God's goodness, God's, God's fatherly love for me. I lived with this underlying uh, sense of, my gosh, God just really has to be nice to me because of Jesus. Otherwise, he would be whacking me over the head because I'm such a bad person. Right? I, live with my, I live with myself 24-7, and I know how bad I can be. And my wife also knows how bad I can be. But I know that, but here's the point. Jesus gives us his righteousness. So our standing before God, brothers and sisters, our standing before God is that we are righteous in Christ. Which means that God only has favor, only has blessing, only has good thoughts towards us. Behold the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you etc. You guys, you guys, that's one of your favorite Bible verses. You know it. 
This is the reality that God lives with, his, with a smile on his face whenever he thinks of you, whenever he sees you. Huh? Even Thomas, my gosh. Even Thomas, God smiles over when he sees him. Even Roshan, can you believe that? That's amazing that God only has positive, favorable thoughts towards us because we are in Christ. And the same love that he has for Jesus is the same love he has for us, John 17, 23. The same love that God has for Jesus. Think about it. Let that, let that just seep into your thought processes for a moment. Let it get, get into your heart. The same love that God has for Jesus is the same love that he has for you and me. And so, and so uh, my point is this. My points are this. First of all, if we begin to live in this place, living in goodness, right? We're not good in, in, in and of ourselves. We all, we all understand that. We're, we're, we're good because we're in Christ. We're righteous because we're in Christ. Therefore, first of all, our identity, Right? ought to be one of righteousness rather than self or sin consciousness. Way too many of us people in the church live with, with what, what I refer to as sin consciousness. Right? We, we, go about, we, we go about living our lives. Um, we may spout the right things in church, and we sing the right songs, and we happy clappy in church, but foundationally, when we live our lives from day to day, it's with this, it's with this um, seething is not maybe the right word, but it's, it's this subterranean sense of, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just a horrible worm, bad person. I'm just a bad person, and I got to do good in order to offset my badness. Even though I know the gospel, I have to do good in order to offset my badness. So let me be a nice person. Let me create some evangelical rules so I can follow them. No drinking, no smoking. Easy rules that I can follow. No drinking, no smoking, no dancing, no going with girls, or whatever. We all create these rules in our religiosity in order to sort of control our environment so that we can stuff down this, 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 this subterranean volcanic sense of being unworthy, thank you, uh, Ian, being unworthy. And here's the thing, we are no longer unworthy, brothers and sisters. It's a gift that God has given to us. We have been made worthy. This is the amazing truth. It, ne it needs to revolutionize uh, the way we think and the way we see ourselves primarily, because as a man thinks and as a woman thinks in her, in her heart, so is she. Not what she thinks in her mind or thinks in her songs that she sings in church on Sunday, but how, how she thinks in her heart, the core place from which we live our lives. That's who we really are. And if our, if our identity at the core is I'm unworthy of being on this planet, I'm unworthy of God's love, I'm unworthy of, of leading a life of influence over other people positively, then we're, we're just missing the boat. And the, and the gospel still needs to evangelize our hearts. We still need to be evangelized by the good news of this incredible gospel message. So our, our, our identity needs to be one of righteousness, not self-righteousness, but righteousness given to us by God, a gift given to us by God. 
So our identity needs to be righteousness rather than self or sin consciousness. And that's what we, re we refer to as the inward journey. That's the, the journey we go on of discovering what that means as we live our lives out from day to day. Right? That's a challenge that we have until we die and go to heaven or we get raptured if you believe in a rapture. You know, that's, that's, what, that's, that, that's, the, that's, the, um, that's the journey, that's the assignment on this on this, in this, on this earth, until we make it to heaven, right? Is we we we're on this inward journey of discovering who we really are. Thank God, Mr. Austin is here because we can say this is who we really are. This is who we really are, people. We are truly sons and daughters, beloved of the Father, found to be righteous in His eyes, in His eyes. So here's another point. It doesn't matter what the other person thinks of you. It matters what he thinks, right? It doesn't even matter what your wife thinks, even though my wife is awesome. The second thing is intimacy. Intimacy. If we live, if we live with this revelation of goodness, that we are good, we, are, we have been made good, we have been made righteous, if we live with this revelation, as we live with this revelation, it affects our levels of intimacy. And by intimacy, I mean uh, open relationship, open communication, open hearts, right? Being naked and unashamed. Being naked and unashamed, both in our relationship with God, right? If, we, we're, if we're secure in who we are in Him, if our, if our identity is secure, then our, our, our desire for Him, our desire to be open to Him, because we know already we're fully accepted in Him. And there's nothing we can do to make Him love us more. There's nothing we can do to make Him love us less. So therefore our hearts are open and we can have an authentic relationship with this God. We can tell Him everything has gone wrong today. We can tell Him everything has gone good today. We can tell Him every single thing about our lives. We can be open because we know that we're already, yes, come on. We know that we're already, already secure in Him. And, and, the, and the depth of relationship with this living God who really, really wants a personal relationship with Him will be so much more magnified and glorious, wouldn't it? Not only will our levels of intimacy and relationship be with Him, but it will also be across the board as well, horizontally with the people in our lives. We'll have much more authentic, real, meaningful relationships. No more shame. I wish we could begin to conceptualize what it means to live with no shame. It's like running around your house, both of you naked all day long. Excuse the graphic image there. Okay, let's come back. Come back up. Come back up, everybody. It's having this freedom to be who you are knowing that I'm accepted. Therefore, you're powerful. You're powerful because you don't, you, you're not bothered. You, you're not living with the fear of man because you know who you are in him. Yeah? So the upward journey of intimacy with God and outward journey of intimacy with the people around us in our lives. And then thirdly, identity, intimacy, and then influence. If we know who we are as we live with this revelation of, of our goodness. It means that we get to live the way that God really wants us to live, as co-heirs with Christ. 
right? So we get to say with confidence, even though, even though the, the rain is supposed to fall tomorrow, we're going to band together, we're going to pray, and we're going to, and we're going to command the rain to stop, or we're going to ask God to make the rain to stop. Whatever prayers we pray, the rain is going to stop because we're exercising our authority as co-rulers with Christ. Amen? We can pray for a guy who, you know, by the looks of it, it will take forever for him to get it sorted out. But we can pray and we can see the, 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 the loving nature of God touching that man's knee and removing his pain. So he has a testimony in his own life, in his own life. By the way, thank you for your test to preach there, uh, Hazy. Your test to preach was powerful. We have a testimony of, of this man who has been touched by God. So he can choose to, to, to you know, give credence to that. Or we can let the other voices just keep screaming at him. So identity, intimacy, and influence, if, uh, those are the three areas that we grow in as we, as, we, as we begin to develop and grow in this revelation of living, not with original sin, but with original goodness. Because Jesus has taken us back. Jesus has taken us back to Eden. He's restoring Eden. And depending on, on how, how much weight you want to put to it, you know, some, some people will say, well, we don't have to focus on the fact that we do bad things, just focus on the good things, uh, because that's, that's, the, that's our nature, right? And I'm actually beginning to tend to agree with that a bit more, because I believe that as we focus on who God says we are, our behavior and everything else is going to line up, right? If we begin to if we begin to put more emphasis and credence towards who God says we are rather than what our own heart says or what other people say, what a culture, the world says we are, if we put our focus on what God says we are, righteous in Him, good in Him, then our behavior will eventually begin to line up more and more. Amen? So that's my message. I did it in, yeah, Shikabamba. So let's all stand Let's all stand because all of this needs, needs, needs the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him or marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory when you believed you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing 